Like a Virgin was the lead single and title track from Madonna's second album, released on 31st of October 1984. The song had been premiered six weeks earlier at the first MTV Video Music Awards, with the performance as outrageous today as it was 36 years ago, and has yet to be topped. Following the performance, her manager snapped, you're over, to Madonna, not realising that she was only just beginning when the song reached number one in Australia, Canada, Japan and the US. Despite the shocking reception, Madonna insists that the song is about the innocence of love and indeed its original songwriters at one point considered making it a ballad. Instead, they produced an up-tempo electronic demo which was interpreted by producer Nile Rodgers with a live band whose sound underpinned the tone of Madonna's sophomore LP. His working relationship with Madonna would spurn yet more hits and turn Madonna from an upcoming singer into a household name, making her the biggest singer on the planet in less than six months. Of course, the song was accompanied by an iconic video directed by Mary Lambert and shot in Venice, and also featuring a lion who refused to perform for the cameras. The promo was shot in July, which had been intended as the release date of the song, but the chart performance of Madonna's song Borderline stalled the ever-impatient Madonna's plans. I'll be looking at the song's creation with words from its writers, along with their original demo which was played to Madonna at the Warner offices, before she enlisted former chic frontman Niall Rogers to produce her album. With extracts from his biography, I'll discuss his work on the track, including her vocals, and his recollection of admonishing Madonna for bad behaviour in the studio. I'll also be playing isolated tracks from the recording session, and also the parts added to the master tape by Madonna's on-off boyfriend and remixer Jellybean for the 12-inch mix. But for now, sit back, relax, I've been saving it all for you as we go Inside the Groove. Hello and welcome to another episode. I'm Edward Russell and at the time I'm recording this, it's a very exciting week to be a Madonna fan. We're on the verge of hearing her collaboration with Dua Lipa for Levitating. Meanwhile, Madonna has left Interscope Records prompting rumours of a return to Warners and also a suggestion that she's working on a biopic with screenwriter Diablo Cody. Who knows what will have happened by the time you actually get to listen to this episode. Talking of which, Inside the Groove has now had 50,000 downloads, which is far more than I ever anticipated when I gave you my promise that I would cover at least one song to represent each album that Madonna has created. And whilst we're coming close to that fulfilment, we've still got many episodes and many songs to cover. So let's get going with Like a Virgin. Madonna's debut album had been released in the summer of 1983 and with some international success happening for Holiday in early 1984, her record company decided it was time to record the follow-up. Madonna's relationship with producer Reggie Lucas had not been wonderful, and so she was given the opportunity to choose who she wanted to work with on her second album. She chose the hippest producer on the block, Nile Rodgers. Much of my information today comes from his biography. It's a fantastic read, and I heartily recommend it. He discusses his life born into a household of music, his career with 70s disco band Chic, and the records that they then produced for Diana Ross, songs like My Old Piano and I'm Clean Out, Sister Sledge, and then, of course, his own work with the fantastic David Bowie and his album Let's Dance. 
Now, in the beginning of 1984, Nile had just done a remix for British band Duran Duran, turning their album track Reflex into probably one of their strongest singles. So he really was the name that everyone was talking about. And Let's Dance had been a huge commercial success and had won a flurry of awards. He and Madonna knew each other a little and in his biography he talks about the first time he met her backstage after she'd been the opening act for another artist that he was going to see. Madonna later commented, When I was making the record I was just so thrilled and happy to be working with Nile Rodgers. I idolised Nile because of the whole chic thing. I couldn't believe that the record company gave me the money so that I could work with him. And indeed they paid top rate for Nile as much as they would have for a recording artist and that's something that Nile didn't expect. And it's part of the reason that Like a Virgin went down as being one of the most expensive albums of the 1980s. Now I'll talk shortly about the recording process, but let's start with that song, which wasn't written by Madonna. It was composed by Tom Kelly and Billy Steinberg, who also had fantastic success elsewhere with Cindy Lauper's True Colours, So Emotional for Whitney Houston and Eternal Flame for Bangles. Prior to 1984, they'd only had minor success for the singer Pat Banatar, and when they composed Like a Virgin, well, Madonna couldn't have been further from their minds. Steinberg had been the lyric writer, he'd had a failed relationship, and then had begun a new one in 1983, and he had the idea for the opening of the song. He sat down with Tom, and they came up with a composition, starting with the lines, I made it through the wilderness, somehow I made it through didn't know how lost I was until I found you. When they got to the chorus, he came out with the line, like a virgin, and it was kind of a ballad at the time, and they just thought it didn't really work. So they shelved it and came back to it in a later session. After spending some time playing around, Kelly suddenly came up with the idea of the bass line, which he played with his left hand, a sort of half Motown, half Billy Jean kind of thing. And then he sang the vocals in falsetto. It was kind of a joke, said Steinberg when he talked about it a few years back. But it kind of worked, so they recorded a demo. And this was the demo that Madonna was played at the Warner offices and she fell instantly in love with it. Even by the time of the second verse, she knew that it needed not only to be the first single from the album, but also the title track. She understood how a provocative title like Like a Virgin could work so well for her career. 
Now, it would be years before Kelly and Steinberg met Madonna, but it's a funny story, so I'm going to leap ahead. It's probably about four or five years later, because at this point, Madonna is dating Warren Beatty. So it's probably the second half of 1989 or very early 1990. The event is Madonna's manager, Freddie Demand's 50th birthday, and it's a big black tie event. Billy and Tom have been invited along and they're really excited because obviously Like a Virgin goes on to be a massive success, makes them very rich, I'm sure, and they're really looking forward to meeting Madonna. They're at the party in these big gardens and they're speaking with Stephen Bray. Stephen, of course, was the co-writer on a number of other tracks from the Like a Virgin album. They mentioned that they're really looking forward to meeting Madonna and the three of them see Madonna walk along arm in arm with Warren. Stephen introduces them, says Madonna, this is Billy and Tom who wrote Like a Virgin and Warren Beatty starts laughing, possibly because he thought she would have already met them but she hadn't. As Madonna approaches, it's Billy that gushes saying how pleased he is and how much he's always wanted to meet her. At that, she said, well, now you have grabbed Warren and walked away. In the lead up to working on the album, Madonna, of course, played the various demos that she'd been working on. Now, the Like a Virgin album includes compositions by Madonna alone, Madonna with Stephen Bray, and three songs written by other artists. They were Like a Virgin, Material Girl and Dress You Up. And aside from a very early, very different version of the song Stay, we've never heard any of those demo versions that presumably she played to Niall. In his biography, he talks about the experience. He says, We ran through a few of her demos, never listening to anything twice. I didn't need to. My time at the Apollo and during countless recording sessions had taught me to memorise entire songs in one listen. So one listen was enough for me. I didn't show much emotion. I was only thinking about how the songs connected. In short, what was the album's DHM? Everything she played was pretty catchy, but songs are just songs, and she had hired me to make an album. After down a few more Heinekens, we listened to the rest of her songs, and by the time we were through, the tone of the meeting abruptly changed. Madonna's metamorphosis from a happy-go-lucky post-teeny bopper to a hardcore career woman blindsided me. If you don't love all of these songs, she said to me in a very matter-of-fact tone, we can't work together. Now says, I was shocked. I hadn't received an ultimatum since the crew of enforcers flashed their guns at me when Sheik threatened to sue the makers of a rapper's delight for sampling good times. I liked Madonna a lot, and I knew we'd work well together, but I had no choice to speak the truth. Well, to be honest with you, I don't love all these songs, I said, but I can promise you this. By the time we're finished with them, I will. I don't remember if she laughed, but she didn't break the deal. According to Null, his first job was to persuade Madonna that a digitally sounding programmed album was not the way to go and that if she wanted her music to stand out on the radio, she needed to include a live band in the backing track. And the live band he suggested was his band, Chic. And Chic, of course, is him, bassist Bernard Edwards and drummer Tony Thompson, who play on Like a Virgin and on a number of tracks on the album. Although, if you ask me, it is a very programme-sounding record, so I'm not quite sure what he's on about. But certainly the song Like a Virgin stands out because of those big, heavy live drums and his guitar work, along with um, a synth bass line, which, of course, is replicating what was in the demo. 
The other problem for Niall was to get Madonna's voice sounding as good as it possibly could. And the song that they recorded first, which had been slightly problematic, was Material Girl. Madonna had learnt it in the original key, which Niall felt was at a sort of uncomfortable place for her voice, and it left her sounding very shrill and sort of nasal. But that was the key in which Madonna wanted to sing it. He says in his biography, I tried to convince her to let me change the key, but strong-headed Madonna, she was having none of it. I knew that it was the artist's name ultimately on the cover of the record, not mine. I also knew that we were on a budget and was committed, as always, to working fast and coming it on under a budget. So, in Madonna's words at the time, time is money and the money is mine. So I had no choice but to help her nail a vocal in the demo's key. He says that this is where Madonna's work ethic really comes into play. But they nailed it and everyone was happy in the end. And I personally think Material Girl sounds fantastic. He says that Like a Virgin was even further out of the pleasant part of her natural range in the key of F sharp. And getting it onto tape required the exact same arduous process. In his biography, Noel is very positive about Madonna, particularly about her strong will and her work ethic. But he does mention that it wasn't always smooth running in the studio. He talks about one incident. Unfortunately, other people weren't so comfortable with the verbal abuse. One day, Madonna's insult slinging went too far. Our assistant had the temerity to go to the bathroom and she freaked out on him. Where the is he going, she said, loud enough that he could clearly hear. Unsatisfied that she'd made her point, she then lets off a fusillade from her usual arsenal of one-liners. Time is money and the money is mine, etc. But today her tone was laced with a cruelty that I hadn't heard before. She was being mean, so I confronted her. Madonna, I said, you can't treat people like that. He's just a guy trying to help you make the best record he can and he needs to go to the bathroom. Now then details the row that they had and sort of made up for it when Madonna said to him, do you still love me? And of course, we all do. Now, before I play you parts of the multi-track, it's worth pointing out that Billy Steinberg said that Madonna didn't really change much to their original demo, apart from the live drums, of course. He even states how Madonna more or less copies Tom's original vocal line. Well, you'd think that was a compliment, if anything. And perhaps he'd been bad-mouthing her before they met in 1989. No wonder she was rude to him at Freddie's party. Anyway, let's listen to the track, shall we? Let's start with the drums. I love the drums here, they sound so huge. And Niall's right, it sounds like nothing else that was in the charts at the time. And the fact that they're live drums rather than program drums just gives them a lot more character, I think. However, interestingly, they're not very in time. The whole song isn't very much in time, but, you know, that's the beauty of a live band. So why do they sound so good? Well, drums are really difficult to record, and I'm going to try and explain it to you as best as I understand myself. But basically, it's a series of many microphones and the right room. The environment in which the drums are recorded has a huge effect on the sound itself. Firstly, there is a microphone positioned at the kick drum. Then a microphone on the snare. And one on the hi-hats. Then two, either side of the tom drums. Then the room, now this is really important. This picks up the ambience. 
and then an overhead or a boom, picking up the cymbals. All very complicated and it requires an engineer who really knows what they're doing to make these drums sound as good as they can. Now interestingly on the multi-track I'm pretty sure on some of the drum tracks I can hear a bit of a spill of a bass guitar. A bass guitar doesn't feature in this song but perhaps Bernard Edwards was playing a bass guitar when they sort of jammed the original track to get that backing track down onto tape. What does exist on the multi-track, however, is that very familiar synth bass sound. This is played by hand, it's not programmed in, and that's so it can fit alongside the live drumming. And listen out here, there's a bit of a gap where they sort of done a drop-in. Um, and, you know, the one way that this could have been recorded would have been to record against a metronome or a drum machine and then put the live drums over the top. But, you know, that's what Noel does. He has a live band feel. And talking of which, here's his guitar. I'm assuming that this is the Fender Stratocaster that Noel calls the Hitmaker, which was used on many of their tracks. And of course, if you listen to the very first podcast in this series about Vogue, you'll be aware that that guitar sample is used in Vogue, hidden away in the mix mainly heard in the 12-inch version. Then there are some synths. And another here. And another here. And another. A sort of pizzicato string sound. Talking of strings, there's also these synth strings. And that's kind of all there is to the original backing track. It's really quite basic, and as often is the case, that's probably the beauty of the song. Now it's possible you were expecting to hear some sounds that you've not yet heard and that's because the 12 inch version by Jellybean features a lot more sound that is missing from the 7 inch mix. Let me play you one of the synths. That normally has a lot of echo and happens just before the chorus. Then there's also this. Jellybean also added lots of percussion including cowbells. There's a cabasa. And also tambourine. Jellybean also chops up the vocals in places and plays around with them. Talking of vocals, let's listen to that fantastic vocal that they strive so long to create. I made it through the wilderness Somehow I made it through Didn't know how lost I was Until I found you I was beat Incomplete I'd been had I was sad and blue But you made me feel Yeah, you made me feel Shiny and new oh, Like a virgin Touched for the very first time there's the tiniest bit of echo on that track, and I wonder if Madonna is hearing a lot of echo in her headphones, which we're getting spilling through. Next to mine, gonna give you all my 
And of course, Like a Virgin sat in the can for longer than expected until Madonna unleashed it upon the world at the MTV VMAs in 1984. The rest, of course, is history. That's almost it for this week. Next week's episode will be one of my absolute favourite Madonna songs and there's a brilliant demo for you to hear along with some of the multi-tracks. And that's Get Together from the Confessions album. It's also an opportunity for me to tell you all about sidechain compression. Hmm, <laughs> you can't wait. I'm going to play out with not necessarily a rarity, but a favourite of mine. When Stuart Price created a version of Like a Virgin for the Confessions Tour, he completely changed the structure and chord progressions, and I think it really revitalised the song. It sounds really great. Madonna re-recorded her vocal for a studio version, which has never been released, but I want you to hear that now. So, until next time, stay safe.